We all know that our DNA is unique to each one of us. Our DNA defines us and makes us who we are. Scientists are working on various aspects of changing our DNA, but they have not yet been able to change every aspect of the DNA molecule. What happens when our DNA is altered? Listen for the next 20 minutes and may your imagination be ignited. Now, I believe most everyone has heard about our DNA. The evidence of DNA has been used to solve crimes as forensic scientists are able to determine <coughs> who was on the scene and committed the particular crime. And they base that upon traces of the DNA which is left behind by the perpetrator. Now, whether you are committing a crime or not, traces of your DNA are left behind in almost everything you do. Your DNA is a gift from God. It's mentioned in the Bible long before DNA was ever discovered. How about that? I say it is a gift because it is what makes you, you. It is what makes you unique, your DNA. It makes you who you are. Now the scientific word for DNA is so big that when I fail to pronounce it, don't y'all laugh at me, but it's deoxyribonucleic acid. Okay, that's pretty close. And it's a molecule found in almost every cell of your body. Now today, I want to give you the biblical meaning of DNA. So let's begin with something Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, we read, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now the context of this verse is important because Paul is laying out here a foundational understanding for new believers. The church of Corinth was a new church and he's laying out some things for them to understand. And in this place here, he repeats something that Jesus told us in John's gospel. In chapter 16 and verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, I often wonder how many people actually trust this process. Of course, I don't know the answer to that, but it, it appears to me that fear still rules the majority of believers rather than trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide us into the truth. There's a fear that goes against that. I recently pointed out to, to our Bible study group that Isaiah chapter 14 was talking about um, the king of Babylon, not the devil. That's the passage that talks about Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O son of the morning? 
It says that it was a prophecy against the king of Babylon. We've been taught as a result of the teachings from long before us, from the Catholic Church and others, that the word Lucifer referred to the devil, but it does not. One person in this group became afraid that they were being led astray by this understanding. So they've left the group. The plain English words in that person's Bible, which I let them see, was not enough to prove that what they had been taught from that passage was probably not true. Fear. The fear of being deceived kept that one from believing what was plainly written, even though it went against what had been taught concerning Lucifer. Now, I don't know, maybe they interpreted that the fact that I said it wasn't the devil, maybe they heard far beyond what I said, which happens so often, to go into saying that there is no devil. I didn't say that. I said that passage does not refer to the devil. Beloved, I want you to understand and to know that the fear of being deceived is a guaranteed ticket for deception to come your way. Let us trust the process which Jesus and Paul have both shown us, which is to trust the Spirit of God. Let us trust the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Will we get it wrong sometimes? Probably. We're human. I've been wrong probably more times than I've been right in my life. But one thing I know, God has led me out of those things, and I'm still here. He brought me through those times so that now I have a greater understanding of some of the things by which people get deceived. There are some things I can smell a mile off. Simply because I went through it. Now I've learned that even though this is not a quote from the Bible, it's still true. There is nothing to fear but fear itself. That's the only thing we should be afraid of, is being afraid. Fear is not our friend, it's our enemy. But fear is most often defeated by understanding. When I learned as a child that the blue crabs in the waters of Pensacola were more afraid of me than I was of them, I was able to enjoy my time swimming in the water. And I was never pinched by one of those critters. When I learned that bees follow the vortex created by running away, I was able to avoid getting stung by a group of wasps when I was 35 feet in the air on a ladder and accidentally knocked their nest down. I did not get stung because I did not run. Knowledge and understanding has the power to put fear to rest. Now we see a hint of this in the prophet Hosea where he says in chapter 4 and verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Jesus and Paul both told us, however, that knowledge and understanding have been given to us by the Holy Spirit. We also read that we have been given everything we need to have our walk with the Lord 
in a solid place, that we can walk with him in his grace, goodness, and love. Let's look in Romans chapter 8 again, where we read this morning, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now this promise of being given all things is repeated more than once in different contexts in the scripture. Therefore, I would say it must be important for us to know that we've been given all things. Now until, we we need to understand about understanding. Until a person knows that a thermostat controls the comfort of a room, they are left with being uncomfortable. However, even though they may know the thermostat controls the comfort level, they still need to understand how it works so as to maintain their comfort level. For instance, you would be surprised how many people think that if they turn the thermostat up to 90 degrees, their house will warm up faster in the wintertime. I learned that in my home repair business and so many people walk in the house and they crank it up to 90 degrees. It won't heat up any faster than if you go ahead and set the temperature where you want it, whatever your comfort level is. Understanding how a thermostat works could save many people a lot of money on their fuel bill. And while it doesn't apply to our fuel bill, the same is true about our understanding of what God has provided for us. We may read a verse like this and agree with it, but do we understand it? Do we know how to access the reality of this verse? Paul's prayer is that we may come to full understanding of all of this as we begin to read in Ephesians, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Now he continues on in the letter to the church at Ephesus that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend that's that word understand with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me summarize that last section that I highlighted so much for you. Rooted and grounded in love, you'll have the strength to understand the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Do you get the almost contradiction there that you're to know something which goes beyond knowledge? It's not something you can wrap your mind around. 
The knowledge must come from experience and you'll end up saying, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's true. Because you know it. You've experienced it. There's a list of things in this passage which we are to know, understand, and experience. But that knowledge and experience is dependent on our being rooted and grounded in love. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we have barely scraped the surface of our understanding and our experience of God's love for us and the world which he has created. We know it. We agree with it. We hear the verses. We hear on a quite regular basis that the two great commandments are to love God and love our neighbor. But do we fully comprehend it? Love is the greatest of all the commandments because when we love, we fulfill all there is of any requirement for anything. Owe no man anything except to love each other, for the one who loves has fulfilled the law. Romans chapter 13. However, by and large, the majority of people, we still continue to put a yes but on any suggestion of love which, with which we might not agree. What did we just see in Paul's prayer? Was it not that we are to experience God's love which goes beyond our knowledge? That yes but, whether it's yes but God is just or yes but God will do this, yes but God's going to get you for that, whatever your yes but is, that's the limitations of our knowledge. It is certainly not the limitations of our experience. What are the limits of his love? We might place limits on who is worthy of love and who is not. But does God do the same? At least that's not what the scriptures teach me anyway. And this last statement of whether or not God does the same as we do brings up the difference between us and God, which we should understand. We think that our finite, limited understanding is enough to comprehend all there is to know about God because he's given us the Bible. There is no religion, including Christianity, which has been able to create a box big enough to contain God. It's not possible because it's done by human beings. Do we not realize that our understanding of the Bible is quite limited by our frail humanity? Do we not realize that our frail humanity is determined by our DNA? Do we not realize that our DNA has been changed? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We have been completely made new. Now, I realize that 
Most folks will probably think that I'm stretching this a bit too far to claim that our DNA has been changed too because science has not yet proved it. We always tend to want to go to science first to verify the Bible. I don't know why we still do that, but we do. However, if you'll recall, at the very beginning of this, I said, your DNA is a gift from God mentioned in the Bible long before the presence of DNA was discovered. Let me show you that. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, we read, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, there's that promise again that we have been given all things. This time, it is a little more specific in that we are told we have everything which pertains to our living a life of godliness. There is nothing you lack in your walk with God to help you maintain a life which is pleasing to him and filled with love for God and man. You lack nothing. Our problem has been that we didn't know how to access it. We don't know how to get a hold of what we've been given. We hear people tell us, well, all you got to do is receive it. Yeah, but how? The next verse reveals the solution to that problem. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. When we are able to grasp and understand the promises of God which pertain to life and godliness, our lives will change. Up until now, we have only thought about the promises contained in the little promise box on our dining room table, which tell us that we can have this, that, or the other thing of this life, much like a fortune cookie. These promises which God has granted far exceed the material things of this life and go completely into the spiritual realm to change what we see, know, and understand. So I want you to notice that we are to be partakers of the divine nature. That thought alone should excite and activate your imagination. What is possible to someone who is divine? Divine nature is the first part of your DNA being changed. I want you to leave here today with a new understanding of your DNA. Divine nature activated. You are partakers of the divine nature. You still pinch yourself and say, yeah, but I hurt. I'm human. I messed up. I made a mistake. I sinned. Whatever. We tend to look at that rather than beginning to access the truth of God's word, which says we are partakers of the divine nature. And I'm not going to lay all that out for you today. I want your imagination to run wild. 
It is time that who we really are begin to come forth in this world for the benefit of the world. The DNA which now defines you is your divine nature. And I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what that means. That was Paul's prayer. I hope this encourages you this morning. I've only opened it up as a possibility for you to consider. But it will take you far beyond the limitations we have placed on ourselves all of our lives. Regardless of our age, regardless of our experience, regardless of how long we've walked with the Lord, there's more to come. Paul writes a beautiful verse in Corinthians. I can't remember exactly where it is now. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 1.9 where he says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. That means if you can think it, if you can dream it, if you can write it down, it's bigger than that. There is no box of limitations to the divine nature.